0: Welcome in, everybody, to episode 168 of the podcast that is sweeping America, the Air Tourist Sports Podcast. What a show I have for you today! What a great week of shows that we've had on the Air Tourist Sports Podcast. If you missed it Monday, last chance you season four debuted. And Jason Brown, the now former head coach of Independence Community College, joined the show, and we had a lot to talk about. We talked about his time at Independence. What went wrong last season? The things that you're now seeing on this season of Last Chance You, Jason Brown, and I spoke about. Uh, we also spoke spoke about what his future is. Is he the kind of guy that even wants to get back into coaching? Is he the kind of guy that in 2019 can make it in coaching? I thought it was a fascinating interview. I thought he was very candid. I really enjoyed it. But that was just a precursor to what I have today. You know who I got today on the show? The man, the myth, the legend, the walking bucket, lottery pick, Tyler Hero of the Miami Heat, formerly of Kentucky. He, of course, played last season at Kentucky. He joins the show. We talk about all sorts of good things. We talk about his summer league performance with the Miami Heat. We talk about his time at Kentucky. I, by the way, I asked him, how hard was it to leave Kentucky? He gave me an incredible answer that was totally unprompted. You're going to love it if you're a Kentucky fan. He basically said, it was the toughest decision that I ever made in my life. Way tougher than, leave, than decommitting from Wisconsin. I don't know where that came from. I don't know if he wanted to create a headline, but Tyler Hero, bring in the heat. On the Eratoris Sports Podcast, he joins me in a little bit. Today's show is again brought to you by Blue Chew, the chewable alternative to uh, you know some of those brands that you've heard of Viagra, Cialis, etc. So we'll get to Blue Chew in a minute, and then we do, of course, have a couple other topics uh, to hit on. Uh, I do want to talk – so I know I, t- I always say, like, we'll talk basketball if topics come up. And I thought we had a good topic uh, earlier this week. John Rothstein reporting the Big 12 SEC Challenge games have been announced or unofficially announced. John Rothstein reporting them. Uh, and this is the, the the event that features the Big 12 versus the SEC. Surprise, surprise. Usually it features Kentucky versus Kansas. This year, a little twist. Kentucky is going to head to Texas Tech. I actually just spent some time on the phone with Chris Beard about two, three weeks ago. So I'll tell you a little bit about what I'm hearing from Texas Tech. I will tell you also about some of the other matchups that I like. Uh, Tennessee Vols, a team that I obviously talked about a lot on this show last season, they're headed to Kansas. Baylor, Florida, maybe the most underrated game in the series. And then, oh, by the way, our favorite team on the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, the bad boys of college basketball, LSU. They're going to play Texas and Shaka Smart, so they'll probably beat them by 100 because Shaka Smart's a fraud. So we'll get into all of that. I also want to talk about a little bit of a recruiting development. You guys know I don't do a ton of recruiting. Uh, I did, of course, have Jack Pilgrim on to talk Peach Jam last week, and I've had Corey Evans on. I've had Evan Daniels on. But you know, there was an interesting development as Arizona picked up a commitment, and I talked a lot about Arizona recruiting about a month ago when Jordan Brown committed. I want to bring that back, talk about why I think this is all so important, uh, and then of course, again, Tyler Hero, the man, the myth, the bucket, will join the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Before we get started, I want to remind everybody... Please subscribe to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Some of you are listening on the KSR feed. If you are, make sure you go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe there on the specific Aaron Torres Sports Podcast feed. Make sure you're subscribed. Again, you can do it on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. I'm going to get that right. You can now, by the way, subscribe on Spotify to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, so that's really cool. All the other places, uh, Podbean, Paradise. Tune in Radio. I know we discussed it. I know you guys are getting frustrated. Podcast Addict. We're still trying to figure it out with their tech people. They're not being very helpful. They will probably not be a sponsor of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast very soon. I don't really get why they're not being more helpful, but they're not. And so because of it, we're trying to get everything figured out. So be patient. If you have an Android, there are other places to listen, but hopefully we'll get back on the Podcast Addict app soon. Also, Make sure to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. A lot of you guys have done that. We're closing in on a couple, like 300 uh, reviews, which is really good for a podcast. I mean, it's not, you know, anything absurd or obscene, but it's a really good number. I appreciate all you guys checking in, giving us that quick five stars. It helps us move up the rankings, helps people learn about the show. It really does. I know it sounds kind of corny, and I say it all the time, but it really does help. Also, Make sure you're following on Instagram, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast on Instagram. I'm telling you, a lot of good stuff going up there, especially as we head into the fall football season and, of course, basketball season after that. Finally, if you have any questions, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. And that's a nice transition to the topic that I want to lead the show with, which is the new SEC Big 12 Challenge games are out. And I got to give credit to the newest college basketball insider, Josh, who listens to this show. If you guys are regular listeners, you know that about three or four weeks ago, somebody named Josh emailed in, and I forget exactly what the topic was, but he said, oh, by the way, yeah, kind of, and he just said it totally off the cuff. He said, by the way, I'm kind of hearing that this year's Big 12 SEC Challenge, it's going to be Kentucky at Texas Tech. And I was like, what? I haven't heard that. And so, shout out to Josh, the newest insider in college basketball, because as it was announced by John Rostin, we have the dates, or we don't have the date yet, but we have the matchups for next year's SEC Big 12 Challenge. As I said off the top, it almost always features Kansas versus Kentucky. It made sense. They played last year at Rupp Arena. The thought would be that they go back to Fog Allen Fieldhouse this year, but instead, it's going to be Kentucky at Texas Tech. And again, we'll get into some of the other matchups, Tennessee at Kansas, Baylor at Florida, LSU at Texas, maybe even a little Iowa State, Auburn, Kansas State, Alabama, etc., etc. But a couple thoughts here on Kentucky and Texas Tech. And one kind of big picture thought, and that big picture thought is this. First of all, shout out to the SEC for finally getting this right. So if you remember, I actually did a big kind of monologue on this topic last year. I was super frustrated because the SEC, the way that they pick teams. So of course, for people who don't know, the SEC has 14 teams. The Big 12 only has 10. I know Big 12 with 10 teams. Insert your own jokes there. Um, But the thing with the situation is, is that because the, the the SEC has four more teams in the Big Twelve, the SEC kind of goes on like a two or three year cycle where the teams that were at the bottom, they they get removed from the event. And so last year, I thought the SEC did itself a great disservice as they try to brand the uh, the event and brand the basketball in this conference. They did themselves a great disservice because three of their top teams. Auburn, future Final Four team, LSU, the eventual SEC regular season champ, and Mississippi State didn't even play in the event. And we're talking about three of the top five teams in the league. And I thought it was a terrible look, so I'm glad that now this year, LSU, Auburn, Mississippi State are all back in. But again, the headline game is Kentucky at Texas Tech. And my first thought is this. We're gonna get into Kentucky in a second. I think this speaks to the unbelievable job that Chris Beard has done building the brand of Texas Tech basketball, and what I mean by that is this: is that if I'd asked you three, four, five years ago before before Beard got to Texas Tech, what what, what, what you know, what are your thoughts on Texas Tech? Right, like we talked about this a little bit with Indiana a few weeks ago, is that some teams they have a brand, and you, you say the name and you instantaneously think of something. You, if I say Virginia. You might think slow and boring, but you also now have to think the defending that they're the defending national champions. If I if I say Villanova, you think ball space ball movement, three-point shooting, floor spacing. If I say Kentucky, you think one and done, you think NBA. If I say Duke, you say one and done, NBA. If I say um you know Gonzaga, you say always overachieves, don't really like their conference whatever. If I said Texas Tech a year and a half ago, nobody would have had any, or three years ago, nobody would have had anything to say. They'd be like, oh, Texas Tech. I think the same thing about Texas Tech basketball that I do uh, Oregon State basketball or uh, Kansas State bat You know, like, like Texas Tech had no brand at all. And so Beard came in. They're, of course, coming off of The two basically best seasons in program history made their first Elite Eight two seasons ago, made their first Final Four last year, and of course played in the national championship game one shot away from potentially winning the national championship. If DeAndre Hunter doesn't hit that corner three, all of a sudden uh, we're talking about maybe Texas Tech as the reigning national champion. And so the only reason I bring this up is because what's incredible to me is how quickly Chris Beard has made Texas Tech a commodity in college basketball. And I think it shows with this game because here's the bottom line. These games are dictated by TV people. These games are dictated by ESPN. And if ESPN didn't think that the Texas Tech brand would create interest in this game, they wouldn't schedule it. I mean, I said it a minute ago it was right on a silver platter for them. Kentucky, Kansas, they every year it's the biggest game. And so what I think ESPN is doing is they see an emerging brand in Texas Tech. They see a future program that is going to be reckoned with as long as Chris Beard is there. And they said, let's get these guys on the biggest stages possible. They did it a year ago when they played, uh, they had uh, Texas Tech play Duke at Madison Square Garden. Now they have Kentucky Coming to Texas Tech, so I think it's incredible what Chris Beard has done, and I think now as we look ahead, I think we got ourselves a heck of a basketball game. I mentioned it off the top. I talked to Chris Beard about three or four weeks ago for something that I'm working on, and uh, I think he's really excited about this group. They actually take a foreign tour in, I want to say, a week or two. They go to the Bahamas. I'm sure you can probably stream that online somewhere. So any any Kentucky fan listening, any Texas Tech fan listening. Um, you're going to get a chance to see this Texas Tech team. But I think the big thing with Tech, they lost a lot of guys. I think they lost five out of their top six scores, But they actually lost six out of their top seven scores coming into this previous season. So they make the Elite Eight. They lose basically everybody. They lost Zaire Smith, who was the, the school's highest ever draft pick. They lose Keenan Evans, who was Big 12 All-First Team. They lose a couple other seniors off that roster. And then this past year, they go to the Final Four. So Beard, and I've actually talked, I had Chris Beard, for people who are longtime listeners, I had Chris Beard on this show very early on, probably about last April or May after their Elite Eight run, and one thing we talked about is that because of his background, this is a guy that coached at the junior college level, the D2 level, uh, all over the place, professional basketball in the minor leagues, this is a guy that is used to completely flipping its ro- his roster on its head. So he is not taken aback. It's kind of like Eric Musselman, right? We've had Eric Musselman on a lot. Chris Beard is not afraid if he loses if Chris Beard loses six, seven, eight guys. He's not the kind of guy that says, "Well, you know, it's a rebuilding year. Come see me a year from now." Like that's that doesn't fly with Chris Beard. And so when I spoke with him, I think he's really excited about this team. They have two more grad transfers. One of them is from um, one of them is from Virginia Tech. He actually sat out last year. Chris Clark, who's a really good player uh another one from Stephen F. Austin TJ Holyfield they have Davide Moretti coming back who was a starter last year and they have another freshman his name's uh Jamias Ramsey kind of top 30 top 40 guy that I think that staff and Chris Beard didn't explicitly tell me this but like I think their staff feels like he can be the next in the line of what is now a burgeoning kind of um situation where Texas Tech has virtually a lottery pick or a first-round pick every year at the, at the wing position. And I'm not saying that Jamias Ramsey is going to be that a year from now, but Zaire Smith came in as a low rated recruit, ended up as a one-and-done first-round pick. Jarrett Culver came in as a low rated recruit. He was a two-and-done, but he was the number what, six overall pick this year to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And so I think that the staff thinks that Jamias Ramsey can be that next guy. And so Texas Tech is really interesting, right? Because you look at the parts on paper, and you don't necessarily feel like, okay, this is a Final Four national championship contender, but the parts are basically the exact same as the team had last year, and that team, of course, went to the Final Four. So that's a really, really interesting matchup. I'm really excited to see that. And then, of course, Kentucky. Look, we've spent a lot of time talking about Kentucky this offseason. I really like the guys that they bring back. So I think it's it's so easy to kind of sit there and say, well, they lost P.J. Washington. They lost friend of the Aaron Torres Sports Tyler, uh, Podcast, Tyler Hero, who you're going to hear in a minute. Um, they lost Kelton Johnson, et cetera, et cetera. They lost Reed Travis. But I look at it like this. A year ago, Ashton Hagens was the number one point guard in America. And I actually think that he is going to be really, really good for Kentucky this year. All he has to do is get a little confidence in his jumper. He was already the SEC Defensive Player of the Year. He led the team in assists. All he's got to do is get a little confidence in his jumper. And we're talking about a guy that I think can be an SEC Player of the Year candidate. Will he be? I don't know, but I think he can be. E.J. Montgomery former top 10 recruit nationally. This was a guy that in some recruiting services was ranked ahead of Zion Williamson, which is insane to think about, but it shows you how good that he can be as a sophomore. Uh, I do think he's going to have a P.J. Washington-like jump from his freshman to his sophomore year. Manuel Quickly is going to score. Tyrese Maxey, the freshman, is going to score. Johnny Juzang, who, full disclosure, I did an unbelievable article on Johnny Juzang on KSR, hate to brag, Kentucky Sports Radio, but I I actually talked to Johnny Juzang's dad uh, earlier this week about the whole reclassification process. This was a a five-star player in the 2020 class, decided this spring to go to the University of Kentucky, and uh, as a member of the 2019 class, did a great profile on him. I encourage you to go read it. It is on Kentucky Sports Radio, on my Twitter feed, at Aaron underscore Torres. And so, I look at Kentucky... I think they're a top five. Tier, top I, first of all, I have them at number two. I think uh, the season opener against Michigan State will be a one versus two battle, um, and I think this Texas Tech game is going to be a top ten matchup. By the way, I'm not going to spend very much time on it, but I will say this: I saw a lot of pushback from Kentucky fans, frustrated. The the full home schedule came out. I understand the frustration. But look, I just think it's something that you have to deal with. I'm not going to get into it as kind of a quote unquote topic. If you guys want me to, we can do it. Send in questions, uh, send in comments at Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. If enough of you want me to talk about it, I will. But I do think the bottom line is really quick with Kentucky is that. It's just the nature of college basketball in 2019. You have this the Champions Classic, you have the CBS Sports Classic, you have the pre uh, the Thanksgiving tournaments. It's there's just not a lot of true home and home matchups like we used to have. You know, I looked at North Carolina's out of conference schedule And they play Ohio State at home. And then other than that, it's all kind of low-conference teams. And so I think that's the nature of the beast. Again, I I know we have a lot of Kentucky fans who listen to this show. If you want me to talk about it, I'm happy to. But hit me up at Aaron Torres questions at gmail.com. And maybe we'll hit it next week. I do want to wrap on the uh, uh, SEC Big 12 Challenge. I almost said ACC Big 12 Challenge, which doesn't exist. SEC Big 12 Challenge... um, what else do I like? So I think the, the other game that's really interesting to me, I think the one that jumps out is Tennessee-Kansas. But I think the one that actually, by the time the games are played, you're going to want to watch, is Baylor-Florida. And again, we've spent a lot of time talking about Florida basketball, kind of especially in light of the situation with... Um, with Kerry Blackshear, right? So Kerry Blackshear commits to the school. Kerry Blackshear is the missing piece to what what we all think is a team that could potentially be a Final Four team and is probably the second best team in the SEC. And so Kerry Blackshear's there. Of course, Scotty, Lewis, Trey Mann, two McDonald's All-Americans are at Florida. Um, Andrew Nemhard is back at Florida. And so we all think that Florida can be really good. I don't think most people realize that Baylor is actually going to be really, really, really good next year. Um, Another, you know, I kind of talked to Scott Drew a few weeks ago, and I I think that they like their team as well. Um, This is a team, for people who don't remember, they actually finished, I think, tied for fourth in the Big 12. They basically lost their whole roster last year. Still tied for fourth in the Big 12, made the NCAA tournament, actually beat Syracuse in the NCAA tournament opener, ended up losing to Gonzaga in the second round. Baylor brings back seven of their top nine scorers. They also had two big-time chance transfers, Davion Mitchell, who started his career at Auburn, and Macy Oteague. And so I look at Baylor. I think I had them like 21 in my way-too-early top 25. I think if I had to do it over, I would probably have them somewhere in the 15 to 20 range. Say what you want about Scott Drew. This is a guy that's made the second weekend of the tournament three, four, five times in his career at Baylor. Baylor. And this team's going to be really good. A lot of returning pieces, very interesting roster makeup. And I actually think they're going to be really good, especially going into a place like Florida. Florida is not a super intimidating road environment. It is like twice a year, once when Kentucky comes, once when Tennessee comes, and that's basically it. Um... And I think Baylor can maybe steal a really big win there. But I do think on paper, I don't think people realize how good Baylor is coming into the season. And I like that matchup against Florida. I'm telling you, that night, that is going to be a game. I'm predicting it right now. I'm calling it. I'm recording here on July 24th. When Baylor and Florida play in late January, early February next year, both teams will be in the top 20, maybe the top 15. That is my prediction on July 24th of 2019 I'm already predicting into 2020 that's how that's what we do on this Aaron Torres sports podcast we see into the future I'm telling you I'm going all the way to 2020 and I'm telling you what's going to happen in college basketball so shout out to me I'm amazing I know um real quick couple other games Tennessee Kansas another one look I, I think again I spent a ton of time talking about Tennessee last year Grant Williams, Jordan Bone, Admiral Schofield, they were a BS foul away from beating Purdue to play Virginia to go to the Final Four. I still think they were one of the three or four best teams in college basketball last year. I know that um, the results in the tournament may not reflect that, but they're still, I think, even with the losses of the guys that I mentioned, Admiral Schofield, Grant Williams, Jordan Bone, still a really good team. I think they're probably the fourth best team in the SEC right now on paper behind Kentucky, Florida, and LSU, who we'll get into in a minute, and I like this Tennessee team. Now, I don't think they can go to Kansas and get a win, but I do think they're a tournament team for people who remember watching them. Jordan Bowden um, was a guy. He's a wing player. He was, at times, the best player on that team last year. Lamonte Turner, maybe the best player down the stretch for Tennessee. He, of course, is back, and so I think they have two kind of key pieces, Eve Ponds, John Fulkerson. They got some other guys around them, but those guys are the two core pieces, and like I said, I think they'll be a 22, 23, 24 win team and make the NCAA tournament. I will say though, going up against Kansas. Look, Kansas is going to be a top five team. I know they were the Fry Festival of college Basket or Fire Festival of college basketball last year. It all looked good on social media in October, and then we got to March and it was a total disaster. But they returned Devon Dotson, who I think could be kind of a, almost a national Player of the Year candidate. They return uh, Marcus Garrett in the backcourt, Ochai Abaji, I believe is how you say his name, the kid, the freshman who emerged. They return Silvio D'Souza from suspension. They return Azabuke in the backcourt. And so I think they're going to be really good. Isaiah Moss, who is a transfer from Iowa, originally committed to Eric Musselman in Arkansas. Kansas is going to be really good. The last game in the Big 12 SEC Challenge, LSU. The bad boys of college basketball. And you know how I feel about LSU. I don't think uh, uh, Will Wade is, is um, you know, the most wholesome, fantastic, uh, super uh, by-the-book uh, NCAA rules guy. But as I've said many times, and we'll get to it again in a minute with Sean Miller, you can't fire him if there's no proof that he cheated. And Yahoo saying that there's a wiretap that nobody's actually ever heard isn't proof that he cheated. And so he's back. Javante Smart is back. Emmett Williams is back. Skyler Mays is back. And the bad boys at LSU, I think, are going to be easily a top 20 team. I think I have them about 12 or 13 in my preseason poll. I think they're going to be really good because I think for all the stuff that went on at LSU last year, I thought Will Wade did an incredible job of getting a really young team to buy in, play hard, and play well, winning the SEC championship. And I know the Kentucky fans and Tennessee fans that are listening are going to be mad at me. Like, I think he actually did a good coaching job. Now look, they may have had a higher payroll than the Chicago Bulls, allegedly, but he still did a good job of getting those guys in line. It's like I said a few weeks ago with Mark Gottfried. Mark Godfrey was, was uh, you know running a program where they were cheating like crazy to get Dennis Smith, and they still went 15 and 16. And so I think there's something to be said where even if you are cheating, and I'm not saying LSU was, they were certainly accused of it over the last year, he still did a good job coaching that program. And so I think with Javante Smart back. By the way, people forget when Tremont Waters got hurt, Javante Smart stepped in, 29 points against Tennessee. Really good player, Javante Smart. Really good player, Emmett Williams, former top 20 recruit in the in America. Skylar Mays, maybe another guy along with Ashton Hagen's, an SEC Player of the Year candidate. I think those are going to be some. It's going to be a really interesting matchup at Texas. I think LSU gets the win, because you guys know I'm not a believer in Chaka Smart. And so I'm really excited to see that game. A couple other ones, I'm not going to get too much into it. Mississippi State, I think, again, will be good. Reggie Perry played really well for Team USA playing at Oklahoma. Oklahoma looks like a rebuilding team on paper. I think inside that program, they have a little more talent than I think a lot of people realize. Iowa State at Auburn, that should just be a fun, back-and-forth, up-tempo game. Kansas State at Alabama, love Nate Oates, love what he inherits, John Petty, John Petty, excuse me, Kyra Lewis, I know I just said Tennessee's maybe the fourth best team in the SEC. Alabama going to be in the mix there if Nate Oates can get people locked in. TCU at Arkansas, the must bus. We'll see what he can do in year one. So a lot of good matchups in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. All right, really quick, I do want to talk one recruiting note. And you guys know, I don't do a ton of recruiting on this show. It's just not my style. I, I'm not as plugged in. When I want to talk recruiting, I'll bring on Corey Evans or Evan Daniels or Jack Pilgrim or one of the guys that are super-duper plugged in. Uh, But I did see something interesting that I want to really briefly talk about because it reminds me of something that I said uh, about three or four weeks ago. And if you remember when Jordan Brown, former five-star McDonald's All-American, went to Nevada, eventually transferred to Arizona, I said I love what Sean Miller is now doing on the recruiting trail. And I'm going to get into what I mean by that in a second because Sean Miller got another big-time commitment on Tuesday night. It was a kid named Dalen Terry, who's from Tempe, from Arizona, uh, plays high school or AAU ball for the Compton Magic, same program as Johnny Juzang, same program, program as Evan Mobley, who's the number one player in the class of 2020. And I really, I, I like what Sean Miller's doing. And so first of all, I like Dalen Terry as a player. I've seen him a bunch because he's on the West Coast. This is a kid, he's, he's, Big. First of all, he's super young for his age. So I, I put this out on Twitter. People were like, what are you talking about? I said, he's young for his age. And people say, well, what does that mean? Young for his age? What I mean by that is that, you know, with the way high school basketball works, kids are always getting held back to kind of help them develop and all that kind of stuff, this, that, and the other thing. Dalen Terry is one of the youngest players in this class, and he's already about 6'6", 6'7", handles the ball, super athletic, And he's like a year and a half younger than a lot of the guys that he's going up against. And so I think he's one of the better. He might be a two and done at Arizona, but I think he's an NBA player in the future. And I think he's got insane upside because he's so much younger than everybody else. I think he might even be 17 years old when he gets to Arizona. He'll turn 18 there. I would have to look into it. But the point being, I really like him. He plays for Compton Magic. I saw him this weekend, this past weekend, actually, at the Adidas Summer Championships. And basically, everybody on his team was hurt, including the number one player in the country. And he put his team on the back and led them to put them on his back and led them to the championship, or to the championship game. They ended up losing, but it's just—he's an incredible player, um, really skilled. Uh, and he's tougher than I thought he was too. I thought he was—he played really well. I thought he was, uh, again, I, I didn't know that he was quite as mentally tough as he was. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not doing scouting reports on high school basketball players. What I am doing is I'm talking about Arizona, Sean Miller, why I love what he is doing in recruiting. And so a couple things. I got to backtrack, as I always do. Whenever you say things nice things about Sean Miller, you know that two things are coming. The first one, Oh, how good of a coach is he? He's never made a Final Four. I hate that crap, man. I really do hate that crap, and I'll tell you why. It's really simple. Guy's made four Elite Eights in his career, okay? If you don't know what you're doing, you're not making four Elite Eights in your career. It's not happening. You might make one Elite Eight. You might make one Final Four. You're not making four Elite Eights. I think he's made six Sweet Sixteens. Like, this guy knows what he's doing, Second year in Arizona. If he doesn't run into Kemba Walker, Arizona's going to the Final Four. They're playing to the Kentucky and Brandon Knight in 2011. If they don't run into Frank Kaminsky in back-to-back years in L.A., I was at one of those games, one year with Aaron Gordon, one year with Stanley Johnson. They're in the Final Four. So I don't buy this crap. That, oh, Sean Miller doesn't a coach. Yeah, okay, whatever. Four elite eights. He knows what he's doing. Six sweet 16s. You don't. You're not consistently this good this consistently if you don't know what you're doing. Now, the second thing, of course, with Sean Miller is, of course, also, well, he's a cheater. And I hear that deep breathe into the microphone. I know you guys are probably listening in your car at the gym, like, dude, Torres, catch your breath, get your stuff together. But I understand that. But it's going to be the same. Anyone who listens to this show knows my stance on LSU with Will Wade, knows my stance on Sean Miller at Arizona. Sean Miller, I will never say, has run a 100% clean program. Even more so than Will Wade. You can't say that because Sean Miller had an assistant coach plead guilty to paying a family illegal money in federal court. That's Book Richardson, who's now in jail. So you know they cheated because a coach confessed to it in court. There also that's, There's still the investigation into Sharif O'Neal's transcripts. Did anything happen there? Um, Joe Pasternak, who's now the head coach at UC Santa Barbara, was named in a bunch of Yahoo reports. But again, I don't, I don't consider Yahoo putting your name in print as proof that you, you broke rules. But I'm not saying that Sean Miller has been 100% clean 100% of the time. But what I will tell you is this, because Sean Miller has said it publicly, and I've seen it with my own two eyes. I think when all this FBI stuff happened, I think Sean Miller had kind of a come to Jesus moment. And that come to Jesus moment is really, really, really simple. What he basically said was I've gotten in so much trouble chasing all these five-star one-and-done McDonald's All-Americans all over the country, and I'm Sean Miller. I'm at University of Arizona. I got to cut this crap out, and I got to go get the kids that want to be here. And what do I mean by that? I live on the West Coast. You guys know that. I live in the LA area. I go to all these AAU high school events. I know the families on the West Coast. And I'm telling you, kids in LA, kids on the West Coast, they don't grow up wanting to go to UCLA. They don't grow up wanting to go to Washington. Some of them want to go to a Kentucky like Johnny Juzang or a Duke. But most of them grow up, you know who they want to go play for? They want to go play at Arizona. Arizona is the dream school. And so I think what Sean Miller realized was After all the FBI stuff, why am I going to the East Coast and trying to get a kid out of New York or Philly or DC that's going to give me nothing but problems when every kid in LA, every kid on the West Coast, every kid in Arizona grows up wanting to play for Arizona? And I think he completely flipped his recruiting philosophy. I think he's willing to take guys now that he wouldn't have even pursued years ago. And I think we saw it last year. He had one of the top two or three recruiting classes in the country. Now, it happened, it worked out very well for Sean Miller because two of the top players in the class are from Arizona, Nico Mannion. Josh Green is originally from Australia, but spent time in Arizona when he came to the United States. So that worked out really well for him. Then on the, on the transfer market, he goes out and gets Jamal Baker from Kentucky and Jordan Brown from uh, the Bay Area. And so two West Coast kids who are sitting there saying, if I'm going to stay out West or I'm going to transfer... Let me go to the best program on the West Coast, and then this most recent thing with Dale and Terry. And so Dale and Terry, like I said, he's about a top 35, top 40 prospect, really good player from Arizona, but I don't know that four or five years ago, Sean Miller would have gone after him. I think Sean Miller would have gone after uh, the kids that Kentucky and Duke are going after, and he'd be flying across country and trying to get Jeremy Roach, who just committed to to Duke, or... Um, you know, BJ Boston, who's from Georgia now, of course, is going to play out in LA at Sierra Canyon. And I think Sean Miller's like, you know what? I got a top 40 point guard in my backyard. So rather than chasing the top 10 guy who's going to be a one and done, who doesn't really care about Arizona, who's coming here to use this as a launching pad. Let me get the guy who grew up in Arizona, whose family probably grew up as Arizona fans. He grew up watching Arizona fans. They bleed red and blue. Let me go get that guy. Because that's the guy that's going to be committed to this program. That's the guy who's not going to turn his back or transfer or leave after a one and done year if he's not ready. That's the kid that wants to be here. And so I give Sean Miller a lot of credit. I'll tell you this: I don't know if it's going to be this year. I, I, I should kind of backtrack and say I don't know what's going to happen with the NCAA stuff, right? That is the total wild card that nobody really has an answer for. But I will say this: is I think eventually Sean Miller is going to break through if he doesn't get popped by the NCAA. I think he has gone back to recruiting the right kind of kids, the kind of kids that are willing to be coached, the kind of kids that want to play for him, and I think he's going to be really successful. I think he's going to break through and make a Final Four one of these years. I really, truly do. Dalen Terry is just the latest guy. All right, so that is all for this episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast with me. Coming up, my main man, Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero, of course. Uh, Stone Cold Stud just finished a phenomenal summer league with the Miami Heat. And again, we talk about the Miami Heat. We talk about his time at Kentucky. He takes a shot at Wisconsin. We talk about what's next. By the way, he has a basketball camp coming up in Kentucky and a signing event in his home city of Milwaukee. So for people in Milwaukee, for people in South Florida, for people in Kentucky, stay tuned because Tyler Hero has those details. We're going to get to Tyler in a minute. First of all, I want to thank you guys. Make sure you're subscribed. Apple Podcast, Podbean TuneIn Radio, Pod Paradise. And again, we're going to get this podcast addict thing figured out because it's driving me bananas. Make sure to also rate and review the show. Follow on Instagram, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. Hit me up on email if you have any questions, anything you want answered on the show. Aaron Torres Questions at gmail.com. Shout out to Torrent Craig. And we are about to get to Tyler Hero in just one moment. But first, I want to tell you about our new sponsor, Blue Chew. Fellas, remember the days that you were always ready to go, if you know what I mean? And of course, we all know what I mean because we're all guys. We get it. We've all been there. We're getting older. Things happen. The good news is that now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. I'm talking about our new sponsor, Blue Chew and BlueChew.com. Blue Chew is a chewable alternative to Viagra or Cialis with the same FDA approved ingredients as those competitors, so you know they work. You can take Blue Chew anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since it's chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Fellas, I said it a few weeks ago, you know I just got married. Don't want to give too many details from the wedding night. Let's just say Blue Chew may or may not have been involved. I can't really say, not for me to say, not my place to get in and share my personal information. But as they say, happy wife, happy life, and let's just say my wife, uh, I think, was pretty happy with that night, and it may have been thanks to Blue Chew. Here's how it all works. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. Get shipped to your house, discreet package. Nobody has to know, not even your wife, not even your girlfriend. They're made to order in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships directly, it's cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, listeners of this show, the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, have a special deal. All you got to do, visit bluechew.com, use the promo code TORRES, and you get your first shipment free. Get sent straight to your house, discreet package, nobody knows. You pop one, you chew it, you're ready to go. All you got to do is pay the $5 shipping fee. Again, bluechew.com, B-L-U-E-CHEW.com, promo code TORRES. Try it for free, and if you like it, more importantly, if your lady likes it, Maybe you'll try it again. Maybe you'll come back for some more. Again, people, fellas, you are going to like it. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. And with that, it is now time for the bucket. Tyler Hero. All right, and joining me on the phone now, former Kentucky Wildcat lottery pick of the Miami Heat, here to talk about his summer, some charity work, and a lot of everything else in between. Tyler Hero is on the phone. Tyler, how are you doing today, my man?
1: I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. I'm
0: excited. Well, I appreciate you coming on. First of all, uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, did you literally just get out of practice as you're calling me? Uh,
1: yeah, I just got done with uh, working out and uh, just a few different you know, things. Um, just getting situated here in Miami right now.
0: How uh, how are the first few weeks of being a pro?
1: Uh, it's been good. Life's obviously a little bit different, um, but I mean, just staying to myself and just continuing to work hard and get better each and every day.
0: Very good, I would ask. Obviously, uh, it was a successful summer league for you. We'll get into all that in a minute. Before we do, um, I know you're doing a couple of charity events and camps and stuff like that. Um one a camp in the state of Kentucky, August first and second, then also a charity event in your home state of Wisconsin. Uh, we could talk hoop in a minute, but just in general, uh, tell us about the stuff you got coming up the rest of the summer.
1: Uh, yeah, just um, like I said, I moved to Miami uh, a couple of days ago. Um, I'm actually doing a camp here in Miami too for uh, for some uh, middle school and elementary kids, and uh, next week, and then I'm going to Lexington, like you said. So, I'm excited to get back and um spend some time with the kids in uh, Kentucky again, that's always fun and then uh, in my hometown, I'm just uh, trying to give back uh, to you know the the kids that uh, look up to me and just be there for you know kids that want to do the same thing that I'm doing right now. I know a lot of kids in the area have you know big dreams and aspirations, so just trying to spend time and give back to different different types of people,
0: yeah, let me ask I mean, obviously, um you know Wisconsin. You know, I think it's coming up as kind of a basketball community. I know there's some good younger players in the state. But, um, you know, obviously there's also, you know, not a ton of guys that are come out of there. I mean, just in the year since you've left, I mean, how much do you take it upon yourself to kind of be a role model for some of the younger guys in your area that maybe, like I said, you know, ba- b- basketball in Wisconsin don't necessarily go hand in hand, you know? Uh, yeah, I think
1: actually it's uh, really up and coming. Um, there's a lot of good young talent. Um, in the state of Wisconsin, uh, we got a few kids that are in high school right now that are ranked, uh, you know, high in the country. And then, um, there's a lot of middle school kids that are pretty good as well. So I think just giving them the lane of seeing how I did it and giving my words to them, wisdom, just, you know, how to, you know, get better, be a pro and continue to, you know, just take one step at a time. Um, I know a lot of kids try to rush the process. I think the biggest thing is just, um, taking your time. Obviously, you know, you got to go to middle school, high school, and then college. So I think, you know, just continue to, like I said, give my word to those kids and give back.
0: Very good. You certainly did not rush the process going to Kentucky and then the NBA. You said you just moved to Miami. How was the move? I mean, are you situated? You got a place, you got couches, you got a TV. How the, the move come along? Uh, yeah,
1: I just uh, got my place today, actually. So I haven't moved in yet. I'm staying in a hotel. So, um, looking to move in the next couple of days or a week, a week and a half or so. So we'll see um, what happens with that. But I'm um, definitely excited to um, just get to work and continue to get better.
0: Miami a little different than growing up in uh, outside Milwaukee?
1: Uh, yeah, it's funny. The move to Lexington was different from Milwaukee, and then to Miami is a little different as well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, obviously, the last month or so you spent a lot of time in Vegas Summer League. Um, look, I mean, I think anybody that watched you play at Kentucky, we knew that uh there was, you know, the chance that you could have a lot of success. Obviously the Heat believed in you making you a lottery pick, but you were one of the real standouts um in both Vegas and in the previous summer league in Sacramento. Uh are you at all surprised by the success that you had? I mean it, it was you know, it was pretty incredible to watch you night in and night out, uh playing against professionals and just you know, it's like you didn't miss a beat from your time at Kentucky. Uh
1: not really surprised, uh, I just, like i like, show sure you know, I try to put in as much work as possible and hopefully that pays off, so just seeing it continuing to pay off is good, so I mean, I just had a lot of fun out there, we had a really good team that all played together and a great group of guys, so I think that helped me as well, um, so I think, you know, just taking it one step at a time, Vegas was a, definitely a good stepping stone, but it's still only summer league, so I mean... Uh, There's a lot to look forward to, but I just got to continue to keep getting better.
0: What is the biggest difference between playing against high school kids, college kids, and now professionals?
1: I think just the speed of the game. Um, If you play too fast, you're definitely not going to be able to play. I think that's um, just what some of the kids that don't play well are the problem. I think just getting up to date and up to speed in in the game of high school, college, NBA is definitely different. Um, College, NBA was a big jump for sure. Um, but I think uh once the you know the season starts rolling around and stuff like that I'll be able to get back to just getting to speed and things like that
0: dumb question I mean how do you as a player prepare yourself for the speed of the game and the only reason I ask is because there were some other rookies and you know we don't have to name names or anything but guys did not have as much success as you in summer league in vegas uh kind of how did you prepare yourself for that stage because like i said it the the move looked pretty seamless
1: uh yeah just putting a lot of work in throughout the pre-draft process. I mean, it was a quick turnaround from the draft to the summer league. So all that work in you know early May and June uh, really paid off. So I think um, my coaches in the summer league definitely put a lot of confidence in me. Uh, and they believed in me to play with the ball in my hands, come off pick and roll and do some things that uh, they probably didn't see me do in college that I knew I could do. So um, it was good just having the ball in my hands again. It kind of felt like high school.
0: Um. What about um I know you mentioned this during your time at Summer League, but the way that Kentucky prepared you, I know you kinda of mentioned it like I just said, but how do you feel like playing on that stage in Lexington at UK kinda of prepared you for that level? Uh yeah.
1: The first day, like I said, uh I stepped on campus at Kentucky, Coach Cal and the rest of the coaches treated me like a pro. So I think they definitely prepared me for the NBA without going to Kentucky. I'll probably still be in college. So I think just being able to go there and you know, put as much uh effort they did into me, they believed in me throughout my struggles at the beginning of the season, they continued to believe in me and, you know, put faith in me and so I think it was you know, with Coach Cal and staff, without them I probably wouldn't be here, so
0: you know, you said in that kind of interview post game that from the day you walked on campus, Calipari and his staff treated you like a pro. What do you mean when you say that those guys treated you like a pro?
1: Sorry, what did you say again?
0: Just that in the interview you did on NBA TV, you said that the guys at Kentucky, from the moment you walked on campus, they treated you like a pro. What does it mean when you say that they treated you like a pro?
1: Uh, just the thing that you know, like I said, they believed in me alone, But just you know, making sure I'm everywhere on time. Um, obviously, making me not making me, but putting me in the right places and stay making me, you know, stay in the gym. Um, having access to you know the weight room and everything else at You know, 24 hours, I can be in the gym whenever. Um, So I think, you know, just teaching me how to be a pro is another big thing. Like I said, being things up going to places on time, showing up early, um, how I carry myself on and off the court. And so I think definitely learned a lot. And then playing with the players I played with at Kentucky every day in practice definitely helped me.
0: How much does going up against uh, Keldon Johnson, who's, of course, a first-round draft pick, Ashton Hagen, who I think we all think is going to be a pro down the road, how much does that help you, not just when you're on the court in a game, but like you said, behind the scenes in practice every day?
1: Yeah. Um, me and Keldon used to play one-on-one every day before and after practice. Wow. So was, I'm playing against the best player. I mean, he's one of the best wings in the country. Um, he's making me better and I'm making him better every single day. Um and being real close and my best friend, you know, we have gotten a lot of fights in practice but it was it was fun going at it and competing with him, competing with him every day and then going back to our room and being roommates and being able to have fun off the court knowing that on the court we're just trying to make each other better, so and then with going to going against Ashton, who's one of the best defenders in the country in the college is just uh there's nothing else like it.
0: And I assume that when you played Keldon Johnson head-to-head one-on-one, you probably beat him every single time, right? <laughs> no, definitely not. He <laughs> you know, beat me a few times. I beat him a couple times. So. Very good. You you know, th- kind of staying with that Kentucky theme, Bam Adebayo, obviously a former Wildcat. I know he was out there in summer league. Uh, did he give you any advice, pointers, anything like that? Because it seemed like he was a pretty big presence with you young guys.
1: Oh uh, Yeah, just he texted me after the draft when I got drafted and said, uh, he's happy, you know. He can um, be teammates with me. He just said be ready to work. Uh, Kentucky and Miami. The Heat organization is very similar in the way that they work and how they, you know, the culture and things like that.
0: Another Kentucky guy, Pat Riley. Uh, what was your first interaction like with Pat Riley?
1: Uh, it was cool. Just growing up watching the Heat and knowing his legacy and things like that. Being able to talk to him for the first time in person was. Um, Surreal, uh, he gave me a book to read. What book? It's like the five, uh, the 5th, the 5th
0: agreement is what it's called. Okay. Have yeah. you skimmed it yet? Do you know what it's about or what? No, he just gave it to me today, actually. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. Was it, you know, you yeah. said Surreal. Is it intimidating at all? I mean, a guy that's won all those NBA championships, been part of the, you know, Magic Johnson, Kareem, LeBron, all those guys?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's just, like I said, just growing up watching, you know, just the basketball and the legacy he has is crazy to just, you know, be a part of him and um, part of his journey. And hopefully we can add to what he's done.
0: You know, one thing that guys your age are told throughout the draft process, the NBA is a business. Um, And I think, you know, you obviously experienced that to some degree at Summer League where there was trade rumors and all that kind of stuff. I know there's probably not much you can comment on. But how do you kind of keep your focus on the court when there's a lot of people talking about a lot of elements uh, off the court as far as your future and everything like that?
1: Well, I mean, like you said, the NBA is a business, so you gotta kind of just gotta go with the flow and whatever happens happens, and you just gotta be able to you know keep your head and you know if you're to get traded, you gotta be able to bounce back and know that you know try to make the best out of every situation. So I kind of just, you know, let my agent and the rest of the people around me take care of that, and I just do what I did on the court. So I think just keeping your focus and being able to know that whatever happens, happens.
0: Very good. Wrap up with a couple more questions. Yeah, I do want to go back to the Kentucky stuff for a second. It was an unbelievable season. I mean, your story is really well documented. Uh, committing there as a four-star, you know, top 40 guy, turning into a lottery pick. Just in general, I mean, what are some of your kind of best memories from your time at Kentucky? I mean, it obviously went by real fast, but you certainly made the most of your time there turning turning uh, into a lottery pick there last season. Yeah, Uh. the
1: best moments.
0: What are the best I moments? i say
1: the behind. Yeah, the Bahamas was definitely a good time. Uh, just being, you know, that was kind of like the first couple months as a team we were together. Um, that was a good time. I think, uh, the game when we played at Auburn, that was a great game Woo. Uh yep. I I'll, I'll always remember. Um, and then even when we played Auburn at, at Kentucky, that when we won by like 30, that was a great, that was a fun, just atmosphere, good game. Um, it was always fun going up against them. And then, the shot that I hit against Houston was, uh, like just a dream come true being able to play in the NCAA tournament, hit a, hit a big shot at the end of the game like that. So, um, those three were probably the best moments, but then just being able to, you know, like I said, in practice and just competing every day with the top players in the country is just, um, it was awesome just being able to be a part of that.
0: You know, I had P.J. Washington on this show probably about uh, six weeks ago, maybe right before the draft, and, you know, one thing we talked about, it feels like there's a little bit of kind of a what-if with with last year's Kentucky team. I mean, you guys really are starting to hit your stride. Reed Travis goes down. He comes back. P.J. hurts his foot. I mean, is that something that you guys talk about at all or that you feel like looking back on, on last season, not to take away anything from Auburn in the Elite Eight or anything like that, but just that, you know, right when you guys hit your stride, it seemed like stuff was starting to go wrong a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think I mean I think people forget. At one point, we were playing probably the best basketball of anybody in the country before. After everyone got or PJ and Reed went down, I think we went like a week and a half, two weeks where we beat everybody by twenty five. So it was it was uh, definitely something that we talked about if that would have if I mean if we would have never went down with in- injuries and we kept going and I mean we were just hitting our stride at the end of the season. I think mm-hmm. I think um, we definitely. Definitely came short as a team. I, I think we talked about that. And we definitely kind of felt like last year was a national title team.
0: Was it hard at all to make the decision to leave, or were you pretty set that you knew that based on your body of work that you were going to go pro? Uh,
1: it was probably one of the hardest. Things. It was definitely harder than decommitting from Wisconsin. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Why is that? Uh, um, I just, I'm, I like Kentucky. It was just so great great experience. I went by so fast and I kinda of just wanted to do like another year, but I couldn't pass up the opportunity to obviously be a lottery pick and um I probably could have been a lottery pick next year, but you know, there's no guarantees and things like that. So I just had to it was definitely a tough decision for
0: sure. When I you, was on the fence. Sorry man, I didn't mean to cut you off. When when you met with Coach Cal, what was kind of either his advice or, or what was the conversation like with him? Uh he
1: he told, we, me and Keldon met with him together, and he pretty much told us that we kind of had to leave, but he wanted, if he could, if it was his choice, he would want all of us back. He felt like, you know, that was one of the best groups he had as far as just behavior and everything that happened, um, hardworking and um, really uh, meshed well as a group. So I feel like um, he, he wanted us back for sure, but uh, like I said, he, he kind of told us it was our decision and he felt like we should leave, but he
0: wanted his back. Very good. Last question. I'll let you go. Uh, you you know we've talked a little bit about Ashton Hagens. I know you're really close with him. Some of the other guys that are still on campus. What is the buzz about next year's team? I mean, like I said, I know you're close with Ashton. I know you know some of the guys that are coming in. What what is the uh, scouting report on the 2019-2020 Kentucky Wildcats?
1: Um, I know Ashton's probably. Gonna, I'm you know I'm hoping he's going to be one of the best probably the best point guard in the country next year. Uh he's putting a lot of work in right now. I think, uh, he's working on his jump shot and things like that. I think he's gonna do similar to what P J did this year. And I think um really the rest of the guys, U J two, Nick, Emmanuel, I think it's you know, definitely scary what they can do for, you know, how much guys they got returning and how talented they were last year to see them coming back. And that's kind of the tough decision that me and Calvin had if we came back with a group that's coming in this year. I think, hands down, if we played play the right way, it would be a national title. But I think they're definitely talented um, with the guys, that, the young guys and the guys they got coming back. So it would be fun to watch.
0: Very good. What's the scouting report real quick on the Miami Heat coming into 2019-2020?
1: Uh, just... I'm I'm not too sure yet. I'm going to come in, learn, uh, just look up to the vets. So I think we'll be a, a good team for sure.
0: Very, very, very good. Again, Tyler Hero, Miami Heat. And again, if you want to meet Tyler, uh, first of all, he's got a camp going on. First, he has a camp in Miami. You'll have to follow him on Instagram or Twitter because I don't have those details. But August 1st and 2nd in Kentucky, and then August 17th at Bronze in Milwaukee, uh, proceeds from that event go to a charity in Milwaukee. So meet Tyler either August 1st and 2nd if you're in Kentucky, if you're in Wisconsin, August 17th. And if you're in Miami, uh, hit up Tyler for some details. Tyler, dude, I really genuinely appreciate the time. I know how busy you are. I appreciate you making a few minutes, man. Pretty sure. I appreciate it. Thanks
1: for having me.